सहनावतु सहनावनतु सहवेयंकरवाहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तुमाविद्विशावहै ओम शांति 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 ओम पूर्णमदपूर्णमिलम पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्यते ओम शांति 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणानाम आलयं करुणालयं नमामि भगवत्पाद शंकरं लोकशंकरं शंकरं शंकराचार्यं केशवंबादरायं सूत्रभाषकृतौ वन्दे भगवंतौ पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेदे मूर्तिभेदिभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नमः गुकारस्वन्धकारस्वकारस्तवर्तकन्धकारोधिवीये सदा शिव सरंभा शंकराचार्यमध्यस्मदाचार्यपर्यता वंदे गुरुपरंपरा प्रकृति विकारांचुणांचकृतिसंभवान् Lord Krishna now explains how the samsara comes about, how the bondage, and then the succession of birth and death. So, how does it come about? This is what Lord Krishna now proceeds to explain. Prakritim purusham cheva vidhi anadi ubhavapi. Ubhavapi, both of these, prakritim purusham cheva. The matter as well as spirit. Of Prakriti and Purusha. Purusha is the person and Prakriti is the personality. As we said, within ourselves, so what we call I, in fact, is a complex entity consisting of these two. In I, there is of course that I am a conscious being, no doubt, and so consciousness is there. At the same time, I also know that I am an individual being. So individuality also is there. Consciousness is there. And individuality is there. There is something that creates a sense of individuality in consciousness. As you've been hearing in the earlier classes, how Pujya Swami explains, consciousness is limitless. And therefore, in favor of the idea of consciousness, 
limitlessness should be associated. Whenever the thought of consciousness I comes, that I is consciousness and consciousness is limitless and therefore with the idea of I, the limitlessness should be the concept. However, whenever I think of I, I always have a sense of individuality. So there is something that creates a sense of individuality in this consciousness I, which is limitless. So what is that? This is called Prakriti, this is matter or the personality. Or the Maya, he said that there is this Maya, which brings about the manifestation of creation, which brings about including the manifestation of my body-mind complex. And so, this body-mind complex is what we call Prakriti. It is called the matter, or you can call it the personality. So, Purusham Prakritim, prakritim Purusham Chaiva Vidhi Anadi Uhovabe. Associated with Prakriti also is the consciousness, as I said. Prakriti of the matter reflects consciousness. And so we have the matter and the reflected consciousness, which is what we call the individual self. So Lord Krishna says, the individual self called Purusha <coughs> and the personality consisting of the body-mind complex is called Prakriti. With the Anadi Uhovapi, understand that both of these are beginningless. Meaning that they are always there. There never was a time when Purusha was not there, there never was a time when Prakriti was not there, they were always there. And so these questions which are often asked, Swami, when did this begin? We have no answer to that. I think in a very humble way we can say that we do not have the answer to the question, when did this begin? What is the cause? What's the cause of this matter? I said that is the cause of everything. Understand that we have to go to what we call a primordial cause, which itself is not the effect. See, what we find in the creation is that everything is a product, everything is an effect, made up of something. And that effect also becomes the cause of something else. So flower is produced from something, and from flower something else is produced. Everything is an effect, at the same time a cause also. From one standpoint something is an effect, like this part is an effect from the standpoint of clay. But then from the standpoint of, suppose this breaks, which is not going to be very far anyway because there are cracks in here, but then there will be small pieces, you know. So then this part becomes the cause, those pieces become the effect. If they are further pounded and it turns into what we call powder, then these pieces become the cause, the powder becomes the effect. So this is how the universe is actually what we call a chain of cause and effect. Everything is an effect from one standpoint and also a cause from another standpoint. This man is the son of his father and therefore he is effect from one standpoint. But his father of his son, in that sense, he is a cause also. So this is the cause and effect. Hetu phalatmakam jagat. This is how Shankaracharya would say. Hetu phalatmakam jagat. What is this creation? It is nothing but a chain of cause and effect. And thus, this cause and effect are related. <coughs> so, that means that every effect has a cause, which also is an effect which has a cause, which is an effect which has a cause. As Swami said, what is this shirt? It is nothing but fabric. 
What is fabric? Is nothing but the yarn. What is yarn? Is nothing but cotton. What is cotton? Nothing but fibers. What are fibers? Nothing but molecules. And thus we keep on reducing the effect into cause. Where will this whole process ultimately rest? It must rest into something which is the primordial cause which itself is not an effect. All of these should ultimately resolve into a cause which itself is not an effect because if that also is an effect then this would be an infinite process. Idea is infinite regression. If the primordial cause also is an effect which is a cause, then it is an effect which is a cause, then this process will never ending process, meaning that there are no effects. Fact that there are effects, that shows that there is a cause, and therefore all of these must ultimately resolve into a cause which is itself not an effect. <coughs> Otherwise, there is what we call so infinite regression. Anavastha in Sanskrit they would call it, there is no avastha. Therefore we say that the prakriti or the matter which is the cause of the universe itself has no cause. And effect always begins and therefore which is itself is not an effect. So prakriti is the cause of everything itself not an effect and therefore it is no beginning. Effect is that which begins. A part is a creation therefore it must have a beginning. But then, this prakriti is the cause of everything, itself not the effect of any, therefore, it is no beginning. Therefore, there is no such thing as beginning. As we said yesterday also, we cannot in fact visualize the beginning. Because something cannot come out from nothing, something must be there. <coughs> and this prakriti is, a, that, that is called primordial matter, that's what they call it. Meaning that, that is the beginning of everything. <coughs> is always there in one form or the other. There is what we call pravahanityatvam. There is always, this succession is always going on. Like the river is flowing, it is always changing. At the same time, the changing pattern always continues. It's called pravahanityatvam, that flowing eternality, a changing eternality. So there are two kinds of nitya, there are two kinds of eternal things. One is changing eternal, other is non-changing eternal. So. Anyway, that is what we call the Brahman or Self. But Lord Krishna says, Purusha and Prakriti. The individual self as well as the personality of the matter, both of them are beginningless. And therefore, when did this Jiva come into being? There is no time. When did this universe come into being? There is no time. When did the whole samsara begin? There is no time. As we said otherwise, other difficulties also would come, which we discussed yesterday. So, vikaram sigunam saiva. So, why is there ignorance? We do not know. Ignorance is cause of everything. Ignorance is cause of everything. What is the cause of ignorance? No cause. It is there. Is it very frustrating? If it is, then there is nothing we can do about it. This is what it is. Ignorance is the cause of everything itself does not have a cause. Therefore it is called beginningless. So ignorance call it prakriti, maya, avyakta, primordial cause, whatever you call it, it is beginningless. And therefore the sense of individuality, which is what we call jiva, that also is beginningless. <coughs> now what is the role 
what is the contribution of both these factors in what we call samsara? Meaning, the life of birth and death, or the life of seeking, life of becoming, life of sense of limitation, so that is called samsara. So this prakruti and purusha, both of them contribute. The person and the personality, both of them contribute into this samsara. What are their contributions? This is what Lord Krishna explains. Vikaramsa gunamsa vidhi prakriti sambhavan. We know that vikara, vikara means modifications. That will be stated subsequently. So, all the various modifications and guna, the sattva, rajas and tamas. These three gunas and all the products of gunas understand that all of this is created by prakriti. So, vikara means change. So, wherever the chain is, understand that that is matter. Prakriti means matter. And so, it is the nature of the matter always to undergo change. Did he yesterday, Swami, saying that everything constantly changes? Even a flower also, even though it may look like it's the same flower that I am looking at, but in fact, every moment it's a different flower. We do not notice the change, but it is the nature of matter to constantly undergo change. So vikara, all the vikara, all the modifications, all of these are the creation of prakruti, creation of matter. Gunam seva, this prakruti or matter is said to consist of the three gunas, sattva, rajas, tamas. <coughs> in 14th chapter, Lord Krishna is going to discuss them in great detail, but these gunas I'm sure you know sattva, rajas and tamas. You can say that the whole universe is made up of sattva, rajas and tamas. This is one way of explaining the universe, explaining the creation. So, in the world we find these three things. Sometimes we find the tranquility, silence, peace, purity, that is sattva. Sometimes we find agitations, activity, aggressiveness, greed, this is rajas. Sometimes we find dullness, darkness, inactivity, laziness. This is tamas. Sattva, rajas and tamas. In our own self also, these three gunas are there. So, the nature of sattva is purity, light and therefore knowledge. Therefore, in our own self, all our faculty of knowledge, the organs of perception, the mind, the intellect, the raw faculties of knowledge, all of these are creations of sattva. Then we have the faculties of action, the hands, legs, speech, etc. So, all the organs of action and the prana, the vital air, which are all responsible, what we call the motor organs, they call it, you know. And so, the organs of action are the products of rajas, because rajas means activity. And this gross body is a product of tamas. So understand that our own personality is also made up of these three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. So Lord Krishna says, gunam seva vidhi prakriti samavan. Understand that these three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas are the products of prakriti, products of matter. They are matter. Not the body, the whole universe also will find these three. Sometimes you go to mountains or sitting before the lake and you know, there is tranquility, peace, sattva. Sometimes the wind is blowing, the hurricane is coming, a lot of activity, you know, rajas. And sometimes darkness, fearfulness, dullness, 
you know, tamas. So sattva, rajas and tamas. These three make up our mind. These three make up our personality. These three make up the whole universe. Everything in the universe is a product of a combination of sattva, rajas and tamas. The proportion varies, but then all these three are there in everything in varying proportions. To understand matter. So why is Lord Krishna explaining? So that we can separate the matter from the consciousness, that is why. So we understand what the nature of matter is, and we understand what the nature of consciousness is, then we can separate them. And that is what is required. What is required is separation, that's called Viveka, because both of these are intimately mixed up. The example that we usually give is example of a red-hot iron ball. An iron ball which is round in shape, which is black in color and cold to touch, this iron ball is placed in a furnace and slowly it becomes warm and warmer and warmer and it becomes hot, becomes red hot. So what was formerly black has become red, what was cold to touch has become hot. That is what has happened to iron ball. So we have a new product called fireball. So this fireball, but the fireball has two principles or two entities, iron as well as fire. This iron and fire are so intimately mixed up with each other, united with each other, that you cannot separate them. And if someone does not know the iron and fire, then he would think that this is one entity. Fireball is one entity. In fact, it's a union of two entities, iron and fire. And also, this intimate association is so intimate that each one seems to inherit or each one seems to adopt the quality of the other. That is what we call mutual superimposition. What is meant is that the iron takes upon itself the properties of fire. As I said, the iron was black in color formerly, but because of association with fire, it has become red. The iron was cold to touch before, in association with fire, it has become uh, hot. So the in the fireball, the red color and the heat belong to fire. And the fire itself does not have any form. But because of association with iron, the fire also has to become round, you know. And so, the roundness belongs to iron, the redness and the heat belong to fire. So if you know fire as fire and iron as iron, then when you see the fireball, then you know mine, you know what is what. You know that, hey, the round form belongs to fire, iron. And the red color and the heat belong to fire. In our mind, we will separate the two and know the iron is iron and fire is fire. That separation takes place in our buddhi, in our buddhi intellect. That is why viveka, this ability to separate is the, is the property of the, is the attribute of intellect. Something light is happening to us also. Here also, in what we call I, these two principles are involved, the Purusha and Prakriti. Like iron ball is Prakriti, and like fire is Purusha. So what is Prakriti? This body, mind, intellect, this complex is Prakriti, is matter. If just said, this body, mind, intellect complex is a product of three guna, sattva, rajas and tamas. So it is matter. And matter is actually called in, in, in lifeless. Matter is lifeless by nature. Like table, chair, etc. is all lifeless by nature. 
However, here also there is purusha, the consciousness. And there is a union of the two as well. And therefore, the matter which is lifeless, however, becomes enlivened. <coughs> so life that we see here, the sentiency that we see here in our body, in our mind, in our intellect, is because of what? Is because of the presence of consciousness. Just as the iron ball becomes red and hard, similarly also this lifeless matter becomes alive, becomes sentient, becomes conscious as though. The mind also is lifeless, but that also becomes conscious, becomes sentient and conscious. And just as the fire, which itself is without the form, however, in a with iron, becomes round as though, doesn't become, but appears round. Similarly also, consciousness does not have a form. Consciousness is limitless, doesn't have a form. But in association with the body-mind complex, the consciousness as though becomes also, has a form. Therefore, whenever I think of I, which is consciousness, also a form is always associated in the idea of I. As I said, actually, in the idea of I, I is pure consciousness, limitless, formless. And therefore, in the thought of I, there should be no form. But today when I think of I, I always think of a form. Of a man, woman, tall, short, fair, dark, fat, lean, or happy, unhappy, active, inactive. All these ideas are also associated, included in I, which do not belong to I, understand? If the fire does not know itself as fire, then the fire may think that, hey, I am round in color. Imagine fire in the, in the, in that iron, the fireball, the fire thinking, I am round in color, a fair shape. And poor fire, which is formless, thinks that it is confined to a shape. And similarly also the consciousness of I, which is limitless, but experiences us or suffers from a sense of confinement. I suffer from a sense of confinement that I am only limited to this body-mind complex and that my, that is my pervasiveness, that is my limitation. And thus I suffer from a sense of limitation. This is called samsara. This is the origin of samsara. The sense of limitation, the sense of confinement, the sense of there was separation from you, though you are one entity, I am another entity and therefore you limit me and I limit you. Each one limits the other, you know, going up and down. See, really you limit me and I limit you as long as there is separation. Because when I look at you, wherever I see some uniqueness that you possess, which I do not possess. Immediately there is in me a sense of uh, smallness that, hey, look, he's taller than me. Oh, he's brighter than me. Oh, he's a PhD and I'm just an undergraduate. Oh, his salary is $100,000, mine is only $39,000. So he has something which I do not have. So whenever there is duality there, automatically there is a sense of limitation. You limit me, and of course, when I stand in front of you, I limit you also. Hey, he is uh, wearing orange clothes. I am not. He seems to have nothing to do. Everybody brings diksha for him. Look, I have to stand in the line and serve my own food and look at him. He sits on a table and then everybody serves him. <laughs> so there can be. Everybody will limit it because what I have, you do not have. And what you have, I do not have. 
And therefore, this I, the consciousness, the limitless, suffers from a sense of confinement, a sense of limitation, and it cannot accept it. I cannot accept myself being limited, and therefore, there is an impulse right away to become free from the sense of confinement. And I do all kinds of things to become free from sense of confinement. Not knowing how to do, I become further confined, that's all. I build a house in order to, in order to get security, in order to feel good. Then I am the holder of the house. In course of time, I become held by the house. So whatever comes like that, like the silkworm that creates a shell around itself for its own security, becomes bound by the very same thing. Not knowing how to become free. Whatever methods today I am employing to become free, in fact, I find that they bind me further and further. It is only due to ignorance. And so, Lord Krishna says, so explains here the mechanism of how the sense of individuality or sense of confinement comes. It is not that the fire has become round. Fire only appears round. It is not that the iron has become red. It only appears red. Not that the eye has become confined, it appears confined. This is the saving grace. Not that the tenth man is lost, he thinks he is lost. Even though he is suffering because the tenth man is lost, what, you know, how to find it? He is struggling. Let's go samsara. Where are you running? Oh, I, I thought I saw the tenth man there. I am running, searching for him. He plunges in water, climbs up the trees, goes up the hills and goes behind. All kinds of things he is doing. And in order for that search of tenth man, he developed all kinds of vehicles, you know. Now he has a scooter and then he has a car and then he has a submarine. All kinds of things in there. For what? Searching for the tenth man. He even may have a helicopter also to have a survey whether that fellow is lost somewhere. All technological developments are what? For searching for the tenth man. Every development. That is called samsara. What's the cause? Just not knowing that. The tenth man that I am searching for is myself. Swami, why is it so? I don't know. But it is somehow there. I do not know that the limitless that I want to be is myself. Why should God do this? I don't know. <laughs> Looks unfair, maybe. But if ignorance was not there, we would not be here. Because there is no reason to be. The manifestation is there because of ignorance alone. And if there is no ignorance, there is no need for manifestation at all. So on one hand we can thank God for having created this beautiful world. Why is the world created? Just to enjoy. Why am I there? Also to be happy? But we must learn how to be happy. It seems to be very difficult. To be happy does not seem to be easy at all. To enjoy things is not easy at all. And that's all that Bhagavad Gita teaches how to enjoy life and how to be happy. That's why it was said, we enjoy everything Tyaktena. Anyway, so Vikaram Sugunam Seva Vidhi Prakriti Samhavan. Understand Arjuna that all Vikara meaning modifications and Guna, all these Guna, Sattva, Rajas, Tamas, all of these are products of Prakriti. They all matter. So wherever modification or change is there, matter. Wherever Sattva, Rajas, Tamas is there, matter. Okay, going to verse 20. <coughs> the contribution of the two, Prakriti and Purusha, both them, both them contribute. Prakriti alone cannot do anything unless Purusha also cooperates. And so, that is seen in the verse 20. 
कार्यकर्णकर्तृत्वे हेतु प्रकृतिरुच्यते टेक्निकल वर्ड कार्य मीन्स फिजिकल बॉडी करण मीन्स वॉट वी कॉल दी सटल बॉडी यू नो फिजिकल बॉडी इसको कार्य and subtle body mind and sense organs they are called karana karana means instrument so instruments of knowledge and instruments of action instruments of knowledge are five organs of perception instrument of action are five organs of action and knowledge and action can take place only when we have the inner instrument called the mind so external instrument and inner instrument called karana karya karana kartrutve in creating karya and karana this gross body and the subtle body meaning the body and the mind in creation of that prakruti hetu chate the prakruti said to be the cause of creating the body and sense organs and mind in this personality <coughs> that is fine up to so far is all it but as i said samsara can be there only when we also contribute I can become unhappy or sad only when I cooperate. So, prakriti does all these things. All temptations are created. Let us. It is up to me to fall for the trap. So, next line says, "Purusha sukhadukharam bhutrutve hetuhuchade." This purusha, what are earlier called kshetragnya? So, called kshetragnya, jiva, you know, different words, jivaatma. Individual self, Kshetrajna, Purusha, all of these amount to the same thing. Sukha dukha naam bhotrutve hetohu uchchade. This Purusha, the individual self, the conscious being is hetu, is a cause for bhotrutve, for being a bhotta, for being the experiencer. In short, prakruti or matter creates the objects of experience. and this person the conscious being becomes experiencer experienced experiencer the objects of knowledge and the knower the seen and the seer experienced experiencer so this the now we have pair of subject object and subject so object is prakruti subject is purusha <coughs> Purusha है भोक्तृत्वे What happens is Purusha becomes भोक्ता He becomes experiencer भोक्ता is generally often translated as enjoyer but well, let us call him experiencer This actually the consciousness is not an experiencer Experiencer understand Experiencer is a rogue So when I am experiencing I am called experiencer When I am speaking I am called a speaker when i am hearing i am called a hearer i don't have to be called when speaking takes place then if i identify myself with the act of speaking then i become a speaker <coughs> when hearing takes place if i identify myself with the act of hearing then i become hearer who creates a hearer 
Who creates the speaker? Speaking is one thing. The hearing is one thing. Hearer is another thing. Understand? So let's understand the difference between the two. Hearing and hearer. Right now, hearing takes place when these words are spoken. But each one of you, if I ask you, who are you? You are the Swamiji. I am a hearer. I am a listener. Right now you are looking at me. Who are you? You are a looker. I am looked at or I am a looker. And you are looked at. So Lord Krishna says, that this is what this Purusha, the individual self does to himself, that he becomes experiencer, he becomes doer, he becomes enjoyer, he becomes speaker, he becomes hearer. How does he become? The next verse explains that. Purusha prakrutisthohi Bhunte prakruti jan gunam Karanam gunasangosya Sadasadhyoni janmasu Purusha prakrutisthaha This Purusha, the, the, the individual self, prakrutisthaha who obtains in the prakriti, who is associated with the prakriti. So person associated with personality. Bhunte prakriti jan gunan, all the various gunas, the modifications created by the prakriti, bhunte, he experiences them, enjoys them, calls himself the enjoyer. So this person assumes the title of being an enjoyer. Assume the title of being a doer, experiencer, enjoyer. In fact, the consciousness is not enjoyer or experiencer. All enjoyment takes place in consciousness. All experiences take place in consciousness. All hearing takes place in consciousness. Speaking takes place in consciousness. The consciousness of I, in reality, I am not a speaker, not a hearer, not a doer, not an enjoyer. Not an experiencer. I just am. So self-revealing consciousness I am. But for some reason, because of association with this prakriti, with this personality, there is automatically an identification to personality. Meaning that I call this personality as I. This is called identification. Even though I am not the personality, even though I am not the mind, I call the mind as I. Even though I am not the thoughts, I call the thoughts as I. And therefore, if a happy thought happens in the mind, what do I say? I am happy. If an unhappy thought occurs in the mind, I say, I am unhappy. You know, I always tell the story of Swamiji's story, you know, that this man comes to Swamiji and says to Swamiji, Swamiji, I am upset, I am agitated. I am agitated. Swamiji says, you are not agitated, you are silence. No, no, Swamiji, I am agitated. You are all silence. I told you I am agitated. So more agitated he becomes, more quiet Swamiji becomes, says, you are all silent. When this was said few times, this man got so agitated, he got so upset. 
So Swami, from Swamiji came to Swami. <laughs> Swami, once more you say that, there will be two persons agitated. <laughs> so since then Swamiji did not want to get agitated, he said, all right. Why do you say you are agitated? I know I am agitated. Who says you are agitated? I know I am agitated. How do you say you are agitated? My mind is agitated. That's all right. Your mind is agitated. Who are you? You are the knower of the agitated mind. Is it not so? How do you say that I am agitated? Because my mind is agitated. Who am I? I am the knower or perceiver or aware of the agitated mind. What I managed to do is, I managed to become one with my mind and therefore when the mind is agitated, I say that I am agitated. Like the moon being deflected in the pool of water. And when the surface of the water is wavy, then the moon also seems to be wavy. The surface of the water is moving, the moon also seems to be moving. And similarly also, whatever be the state of the mind, because of identification, becomes my state. While watching the uh, TV, sometimes watching this game, you know, we become so absorbed in that. I told you the, the incident of this boy we were watching one day, this Super Bowl, New York Giants and San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> watching the football game. And uh, this was in New York, and the Giants won at the last moment. At the last moment, I think they scored, and they had they just won on the nick of the moment. They're all very happy because you know giants won. But one of these boys, he just got up and he ran towards the TV and punched TV. You know, so what are you doing? I said, he says, well, the giants won. I said, well, I hate giants. He says, you know. So because giants won, he got so excited that he punched television screen. He became 49ers. He was rooting for 49ers. And he became 49ers. See, that's what he became. And whatever that team must have felt when they lost, is what this fellow felt. And he reacted in the same way as the losers would have reacted. He lost. He just suspected her. He is neither one nor the last. He is neither, neither one nor lost. But how does he feel? I lost. This is called identification. And so taking upon oneself the attributes of something which I am not, attributes which belong in one place are taken upon the self. That is called identification. At that time, I am not what I really am. I am what I take myself to be. In fact, at any moment, I am what I take myself to be. But this Purusha, Purusha Prakrutisthohi, Prakrutistha. So Prakrutautishthati, the one who obtains in Prakriti, one who obtains in matter, one who obtains in the personality. Swami, if this body was not there, this would not have happened. Yes, would not have happened. If this creation was not there, this would not have But it is there. Why is it there? I guess for us to find out, that's all. Because the intellect has been given to us, all the scriptures are given to us, all facilities are given to us, and the agenda also, his task also is given to us. Go and find out. And so, Purusha, identifying himself with Prakriti, becomes a Bhokta. 
becomes a karta. In fact, the experiences all take place in the mind. But because of identification of the mind, I call myself experiencer. The doing all takes place in the intellect mind. Because of identification of the mind, I call myself a doer. The birth takes place in the body. Because of identification, I call it myself born. Every year we celebrate the birthday. Whose birthday? The body's birthday. But what do I think? It is my birthday. The body gets old. Who gets old? I get old. The body is dying. Who is dying? I am dying. The body is short. Therefore, I am short. Body is tall. Therefore, I am tall. Body is man. Therefore, I am man. Body is woman. Therefore, I am a woman. Whatever it is. Body is father. So, I am father. Body is mother. So I am mother. All these various complexes I entertain about myself. In fact, none of this belongs to me. Prananeva pranabhavati padanvap pashyan chakshuhu says Upanishad that identifying the organ of speech, he becomes a speaker. Identifying the organ of eyes becomes a seer. Identifying the organ of hearing becomes seerer. Identifying the organ of mind becomes a thinker. Identifying the intellect, he becomes knower. And meaning that all these kinds of notions that we entertain about ourselves are all notions. They are not realities about me. And this is the origin of samsara. So Lord Krishna explains how samsara comes about. How life of becoming comes about. It is not that because this personality is there, therefore I am a samsara, you know. It is that I am identified with the personality. And that is why a sense of individuality or a sense of confinement has come to me. Otherwise, I can enjoy this. This body is given to me to, for enjoyment. The organs of perception are given so that I can, I can perceive the objects of the world. The organs of action are given so I can, you know, I can respond to the world. A mind is given so I can feel. The intellect is given so I can think and know. It's all beautiful. All of these which are meant really for my enjoyment, all of them have become a problem to me. Each one of them is a problem. Body also is a problem. Why? Because I judge myself by the body. And therefore I must go to a plastic surgeon to repair my nose. Swamiji today I will not come to the class. Why? I have an appointment. You know, somebody told me. With an appointment with who? Swamiji, what to tell you? I have to go to my beautician, you know. To do my hair, that's all. So hair is beautiful, I am beautiful. Hair is not beautiful, I am not beautiful. Hair is grey, I am old. Hair is black, I am young. There are wrinkles, I am old. My skin is straight, then whatever. It is not a joke at all. This is suffering. I do not require anything other than myself to suffer. Then of course world can press, push some buttons further. But all it is suffering, all that the world does is to bring out the suffering with all it is there, understand? All sadness is there. All that the world does is push some buttons, so sadness comes out, anger comes out, suffering comes out. Why is it there? Because I take myself to be an individual being, suffering from a sense of smallness and confinement, and struggling all the time to become free from the sense of smallness. And not knowing how to do that, I create for myself a further confinement and further smallness. Very pitiable situation. But this is what it is. Karanam, Gunasangosya, Sadasadyoni, Janmasu. And this becomes the cause. 
Sadasadyoni Janmasu for being born in Sadyoni and Sadyoni and Sadasadyoni. Sadyoni yoni means embodiment. Sadyoni means a good embodiment. Asadyoni means a, a lower embodiment. Sadasad means a human embodiment. So human being is sort of looked upon as being in the middle. And all the Kindara, Gandharva, Devata, are all the superior embodiments. Animals and insects, etc. are the inferior embodiments. The higher embodiments are to experience the result of punya, the virtue. The lower embodiments are to experience the result of papa, the vicious action. The, here the human birth is experiencing of the punya and papa, pleasure and pain. All this happens and this goes on happening. Because of what? Guna Sanghasya, identification of the Guna, taking Guna to be myself, taking the personality to be myself, taking that is the reason why I am born from one embodiment to the other. Why should that? Because it causes desire. As I say, the moment I feel a sense of limitation, immediately the desire to become free from that. And that desire prompts me to perform action. That action brings about a result. To experience a result, I must be present. If the result cannot be experienced in this life, next life, I must again take up another embodiment. Unfortunately, <coughs> in the process of experiencing, I do more actions. What happens is that because of my karma, the food comes to me, then I perform an action also of eating the food. That's all I then reacting to it. Oh, what's up, darling, made today? What is this? Oh, how wonderful it is. What either way I react? And that's, you know, that causes further action. If I did not like the dal, next time I saw me, what would you have? Not dal. <laughs> if I like vada, so I would you like it? Vada. Meaning that, that experience created the impressions which are cause of further, ex further action, which create further experience, which cause further actions. And this is how the cause and effect chain, the karma, karma phala chain goes on. This is called samsara. <coughs> What should we do? We should recognize our true nature by separating the person from the personality. Recognize that all modifications belong to the personality. All changes belong to personality. All the limitations belong to personality. All actions belong to personality. All experiences belong to personality. And who am I? I am the person. What's the nature of the person? The verse 22 tells us that. Upadrashtanumantacha Bharata Bhokta Maheshwaraha Paramatmi Tichapyuktaha Dehesmin Purushaparaha Who am I? What's the nature of I? What's the nature of Purusha? The conscious being, Upadrashta, Anumanta, Bharata, Bhokta, Maheshwara, Paramatma. So, Asmin Deh, in this body, Paraha Purusha, that limitless self. In this body, the limitless self, the limitless person, what is his nature? Upadrashta. Understand that the conscious being that obtains in this body is limitless. That the body in fact cannot place any limitations upon that. 
Just as you can say that the space that obtains in this part is limitless space, is in fact all pervasive space. I shouldn't use the word limitless, but the space obtaining the part is all pervasive space. The part has no capacity or has no capability of confining the space at all. But a poor space is suffering. It calls itself part space. Suffering from a sense of confinement, thinking that I am limited to the part. Because of identification with the walls of the part, the space feels that I am part space. The samsara begins. Moment this space says I am part space, then samsara begins. Then another part comes, that is another part space. And then these two fellows are with each other or near each other. Then this fellow looks at him and says, what? I am bigger than you? And feels proud. This poor thing says, oh, I am small. And feels inferior. And then this is, I am shapelier than you. <laughs> and this is how it goes on. What? Who says this? The part space says that. All shape belongs to part, doesn't belong to space. Bigness and smallness belong to part, not to the space. But the bigness and smallness, the shape, the ugliness, whatever it is, that belongs to part, is superimposed. This is called superimposition. In Sanskrit they will call it adhyasa or adhyaropa. Superimposition. What belongs in one place, imposing upon somebody else. Like sometimes you accuse somebody, you know. Similarly, accusing myself all the time. All the time accusing myself. You are a doer. You are an enjoyer. You are happy. You are unhappy. You are no good. You are good. All of this is what? All the time accusing myself. Superimposing upon myself. And therefore, all that is necessary for the part space to become free from a sense of confinement is to recognize that I am the all pervasive space. That I am not become, the space has not become confined, it just feels a sense of confinement. Understand? The sense of confinement or of partness that the space feels is merely a notion and not a reality. Even when the tenth man thinks that the tenth man is lost, it is a notion and not a reality. Even when I think right now myself to be a limited being, I am not limited. That's not a reality about myself. This is Vedantic teaching. Tattvamasi, that thou art. That limitless that you want to become, that's what you are. The free that you want to become, that's what you are. The poor, the whole and complete being you want to become, that's what you are. The parts of space is being told. Hey, you want to become big, but that's what you already are. Hey, you want to pervade more, but that's what you are. You want to become free from sense of confinement, that's what you are. So to recognize, not to become, but to recognize that that is what I am. What am I? So Lord Krishna says, Upadrashta. Drashta means here, a witness. Upa means proximate, a proximate witness. So who am I? So these words can be used for meditation upon the self, by the way. Upadrashta, who am I? The proximate seer. The seer and the proximity of everything. Lot of activities are going on. Here Shankaracharya gives a very nice example. See when a Homa is going on or Yajna is going on, several priests are there. Chanting and making offerings and so forth. You will find one priest not doing anything. If some of you were there when Pujya Swamiji's, uh, you know, Aisha Huma, etc. was being performed, our Ravi 
was making offering, there was another priest also, Venugopal, you know, and other people. At that time, this person, Ganeshan, was not doing anything. Did anybody notice? He did not, he wasn't doing anything. Before that, a conversation took place between Venugopal and Ganeshan, where Venugopal told Ganeshan that we appointed Brahma. Brahma means a priest that overlooks what is happening. He himself does not participate, but overlooks. Lot of activities going on, so many offerings are done. So in the midst of all the activities, the Brahma is the one who does not act, he is not active at all. Meaning, he does not participate. In the midst of all the motions, he is motionless. In the midst of all the changes, he is changeless. That example is similarly, self is there in the midst of all the activities. The body is changing, the sense organs, the mind, everything is constantly changing, a lot of activities are going on. You know the mind, thoughts are coming constantly and going. Eyes are seeing, ears are hearing, hands are doing something, legs are doing something, the blood is circulating, breathing is going on. What an amount of activity going on here? Seated in the midst of all of these, who am I? I am the one who is the proximate witness, non-participating witness. When all these activities are going on, being in the midst of acti- closest to the activities and still free from all activity. Upadrashta approximates here. Another explanation is that, that our eyes are also drashta. Our eyes are also seers with reference to the objects outside. But the mind is a seer of the eyes, closer than the eyes. And the self is what? The closest seer, the most proximate seer. <coughs> Rupam drushyam, lochanam drup, tad drushyam, druptumanasam, drushyaha, dhivrutteha, sakshi, drugeva, natu drushyareya. One text called drugdrushyaviveka, the first verse says, the objects of the world are drushya, they are the objects, the eyes are the drashta, the seer. The eye is the object, the mind is a seer. The mind is the object, the self is a seer. Self is the object, who is a seer? Somewhere this chain has to stop, understand? So cause and effect, seer and seen, everything should gross and subtle, inferior, superior, all of these must ultimately culminate somewhere. So objects the world are seen, the eyes are seer. How can the eyes, when can the eyes see? Only the mind is behind the eyes, otherwise it doesn't see. When can the ears see? When the mind is behind the ears. Otherwise, even though we have such loud volume here, and I am shouting also, see I am sure that there are several here cases where hearing does not take place. (laughs) Because the mind must be there behind the faculty of hearing. Anyatramanaha huvam nadasham, anyatramanaha huvam nasrausham. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear the king's procession that was going on? You are sitting right here on the roadside. Did you hear what was going on there? All kind of noise. I did not hear. Did you see when it passed by here? I did not see. How come? My mind was elsewhere. The idea is that the organs of perception can perform the functions only when the mind is behind them. So it is said that the eyes are the seers, eyes are the seen, the mind is the seer. 
the thoughts of the mind also are known, they are also illumined, they are also seen the object, the self is a subject, he is a seer. He is only seer and never seen. These fellows are the, they are seer from one standpoint, seen from another standpoint. The eyes are seer, the strength stand on the outside objects, they are seen from the standpoint of the mind. The mind is seer from the standpoint of the eyes, mind is seen from the standpoint of the self. The self is what? The seer from the standpoint of mind and seen from the standpoint of what? There is no other standpoint, he is ultimate seer. So translation is the ultimate seer. <coughs> the son of the way of also contemplating upon, so who am I? I am the seer, ultimate seer. The seer who is not seen, understand? The seen is always seen, the seer is always seer. Upandrashta, ultimate seer, non-participating witness. That's called a witness who does not participate. When, you know, witnesses come on the uh, witness stand, he must be the one who did not participate. Well, he's not called a witness, he's called an accomplice. Who is a witness? <laughs> the fellow who does not participate. Self is ultimate witness, who witnesses everything. Without him, nothing can go on. So without Brahma, that ceremony cannot go on. He himself doesn't do anything. Without the self, the consciousness, nothing can go on. He himself does not participate. Anumantacha, permitter. What kind of a seer you are? Permitter, permits everything. How will he permit? When hearing takes place, he says, I am hearer. When seeing takes place, he also permits that. Whatever actions take place, he blesses them. Organ actions of organ of perception, action the level of organs of action, all activities are taking place in the presence of the self. He is Anumanta, the permitter. One who does not oppose anything, one who supports everything, one who illumines everything. So, he is called <coughs> permitter. This is where this problem is answered, you know. Swamiji, are you trying to say that this consciousness is a self of a robber also? Yes. A thief also? Yes. How come it doesn't stop? When a person is about to commit the theft, how come the self does not stop him? Anumanta permits. Unopposed to everything. It is like the movie screen, you know. The screen in the movie theater, all kinds of things take place on that screen, is it not? Sometimes the scenes of love, sometimes the scenes of war, sometimes the scenes of kindness, sometimes the scenes of cruelty. How come that screen does not do anything when this cruelty is going on? How come the screen doesn't stop it? No, it supports everything. That's the nature of the supporter who is unopposed to everything. It is a substratum upon which this is all superimposition, is it not so? What's the movie is what we call superimposition. The screen is the substratum. The substratum. Like the rope snake, again coming back to rope snake, somebody sees it as a rope, no, snake, a snake. Somebody says, hey, no, there is a garland there. Somebody says there is a stick. How come the rope does not speak out? Unopposed to all the superimpositions. Anumanta, the permitter. <coughs> unopposed because it is mithya. So satyam does not oppose mithya. Understand? The substratum does not oppose the superimposition. The gold does not oppose the ornament. When the ornament is ugly, it's okay. Ornament is beautiful, okay. Gold is unopposed, permitted.
That's the nature of satyam. Bharata, sustainer, the self sustains everything. By satya spurti, it provides the existence, provides the awareness, it enlivens everything. Like in the presence of magnet, how the iron filings are enlivened, so also in presence of the self, <coughs> the body-mind complex is enlivened. In that sense, it is said to be bharata, the sustainer. Bhokta, the enjoyer. One enjoyable perceiver, one who perceives everything, meaning the, the consciousness, in presence of which all experiences take place. Maheshwaraha, he is a Mahaneshwaraha, the great Lord. Why? Because just as in the presence of Lord, everything takes place in the presence without betting an eyelid. Similarly also, in presence of self, everything takes place. Paramatma is called limitless self. Atma and Paramatma. These terms are used, in fact they are not different. The word is a Paramatma. Param is limitless. Limitless self. Because sometimes we call body also as a self, you know. Sometimes the mind also is called self. Sometimes ego is called self. Intellect is called self. With reference all this self, the self that is Satchidananda is called Paramatma, the limitless self, the, the true self. So Dehismin Purusha Paraha, the Paraha Purusha, the limitless self of the Lord is called by these different names. When associated with this Deha, the body or the personality, then the limitless self comes to be called by these names, Upadrashta, the proximate seer, Anumanta, the permitter, Bharta, the sustainer, Bhokta, the experiencer, or the illuminator. Bharta means illuminator. Paramatma, the limitless self, Maheshwaraha, the great Lord, all these names he gets, who? The one's consciousness. <coughs> so this is how Lord Krishna says, idam shariram kaunte shitram itabhidhyate etadyovetitam prahu shitragnya This personality is called kshitra, personality is called kshitragnya. Who is the lower? This verse 22, Upadhashta, Anumanta, this is the true nature of the Kshetragnya, true nature of the self. And what's the reward of this knowledge? Says the verse 23. Ya evam vetti purusham prakritim chagunaisaha Sarvathavartamanopi Nasabhuyo Vijayate Yaha, whoever he is, Purusham Prakrudim Chavetti Swami, are women qualified for this knowledge? Are householders qualified for them? I would think so because Lord Krishna, Yaha. Yaha evam vaiti, whoever he is, this is a universal pronoun applicable to everybody. But Swami is masculine, but you know, some kind of thing applies to everybody, whoever he is or she is, whatever, whoever it is. Evam vaiti, one knows in this manner. Everybody thus has the, uh, everybody has the privilege to gain this knowledge. And nobody is a privilege unless the preparations are, this knowledge also requires a preparedness which was described by Jnanam, Amanitpamadam, Vitpam, etc. Yes, 
When that preparedness is there, it doesn't matter whether a person is a man or a woman, young or old, white or black or brown. That's the reason why Hindus never, Hindu is also the name given by some other people. There is no such by for your information. After 18th century then it appears also, but otherwise it never appears. The Hindu is a word that is coined, you know, by, by Westerners. That's okay. But, so, sometimes people don't call them Hindus or Sanatana Dharma, whatever, but Hindus. Thing is that, this is what the Vedic heritage or the Vedic parampara, the Vedic, you know, the culture says, whoever that person is, doesn't say that you must be an Indian, you must be Hindu, you must be follower of Veda, you must be born on this time. No, this is for everybody. Whoever he is, or whoever she is, who knows in this manner, who thus knows the difference between the Purusha and Prakriti, the personality and the person. Who knows Prakriti, the matter is matter. Purusha, the person is person. That's all you need to know, to separate the spirit from the matter. Atma from the Anatma, Purusha from Prakriti, consciousness from everything else. Prakriti Mincha Gunaishtaha. This Prakriti manifests itself as my personality through Guna of various modifications of Sattva Rajasthamas. So one who knows that personality as personality and knows Purusha, Dupadrashta, Anumanta, Bharata, Bhokta, Maheshwaraha. He is Bhoktaha, he is liberated. That's all you need to know. What do we need to do for becoming liberated? No need to go to heavens or any place, right here. And it is Vedanta believes that the liberation has to come here. If it doesn't come here, it will not come elsewhere. Nothing about any change. Death only becomes a phenomenon or an event for changing the station from one station to the other. Like in India, you travel in the trains and there are junctions. So in junction, you get out from one train and enter the train. That goes to another junction. Again, you leave that train, enter the aboard the other train. What we do unfortunately, fortunately is, when we travel, when we go from one train to the other, we carry all our baggage also with us, you know. Nobody leaves the baggage there. In fact, while getting out of the train, I make sure, I go there and down. If I cannot do, I ask somebody else, look and below, because all kinds of, you know, make sure that every piece of baggage is carried with me. Nothing is left there. In the Indian trains also, then we buy a few more baggage also because there are many vendors who come. And then we buy a few things. And you eat a few things also. On the stations also there are many fruits, many specialties available, so you collect them. So you consume something, you accumulate something. Sometimes what you accumulate is more than what you consume, the baggage can be more. But the other junction comes, go to the next train with all the baggage. And so, this is another train. This embodiment, is this train with all my past baggage. When I leave this train, then there is this junction. Go to another train with all the present baggage here. So this is what is the process of birth and death. But Lord Krishna says, Na, Vijayate, he is not born again. This person who has gained this knowledge, is not born again. He is liberated while here. This is very important. Jivan Mukta hai. Liberated while living. So Vedanta is the only, even in India also, Vedanta is the only, Advaita Vedanta is the only script. There is what we call Jivan Mukti, liberation while living.
As I said, just because you change the train doesn't mean that anything happens, you remain the same. Just because I give up one body and take another embodiment doesn't mean that some miracle happens. Same I will go in there. So whatever has to happen, has to happen here. So, he is not born again. This is just an upalakshana. He is not born again means there is no more pain for him, no more sadness, no more smallness, no more becoming. That all this process has come to a conclusion. And Lord Krishna says, Sarvatha Vartamanopi. However he behaves here. However he behaves here. You know? We have to elaborate this a little bit in the next class, I think. But anyway, so, I mean, there is no, as far as the wise person is concerned, there are no rules and regulations at all. He's free from the ideas of punya and papa also. He becomes free from everything. Because he's identified with that, which is free from punya papa. So he's identified with that, which is free from all the punya papa, all the pairs of opposites. And therefore, sarvatamanapi, however this person conducts himself or herself, he remains free. In short, the freedom of the moksha is not to be judged by what the person does, but what the person knows. Because the knowledge, which is a means of liberation, because of knowing that I am already liberated. So, knowledge alone is a means for that, which is already accomplished. <coughs> and so this knowledge is a means of moksha, or means of our <coughs> very purpose of life. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavasishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavvande Bhaganta Upanapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmevi Murti Heda Vibhagine Vyomavadhyapta Dehaya Lakshinamurtayenamaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Nirvana